You're listening to the John Stapleton Podcast. So people often view science and faith as opposites. How does the archaeologists use science in their studies? Yeah, I think we can divide this question into um, two things. First, discussing, obviously, or three things. What is archaeology in the the first place? Um, What's the the relationship between archaeology and science? And then from there, um, biblical archaeology and science, what is the relationship between science and faith? Because I feel like this is, that's such a contentious point. A lot of tension there, apparently. Yeah. So um, definitions are important. What, yeah. what is archaeology? Yeah. So there was this, um, this archaeologist named Glenn Daniel, Klein Daniel. Um, he wrote a book in the, I believe, in the, in, in the late 1900s. Um, and he discusses what is archaeology. And this is when archaeology is a relatively young discipline within the past two decades. Yeah. So uh, I, I think estimates are around, like 150, around 150 years approximately. So how long archaeology... Yeah. As the 20th it, century was like a big century for it, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, it was huge. It's like when all, we, we uh, experienced a lot, um, we found a lot of discoveries. Yeah. Yeah. And so he, he has this chapter in his book and he pulls together from like Canadian, American and, and a lot of British archaeologists, predominantly British archaeologists, because that's where a lot of the funding was coming from. Yeah. All their expeditions and the, the, the archaeological and biblical societies were coming from from Britain at that time. Um, and he, he, he provides all these different archaeologists from these different parts of the globe and their definitions. Um, and I think an aggregate definition would be that like archaeology itself is a scientific discipline and practice um, dedicated to the uncovering and also the reconstructing uh, of past material um, through meticulous methodology and also through um, through interpretation, synthetic interpretation. So it's this process of interpretation. Um, so in, in that definition, archaeology is a scientific discipline um and i think that's really crucial especially for the biblical archaeologists and especially for the discussion on um uh, faith and science is that before you get into that uh for those that are listening and may not know what it means what is synthetic interpretation or yeah synthetic and yeah so I, i use the words meticulous methodology so it's it's a very it's a very slow process i was on a dig this pat this past year Oh my gosh, it's so slow, but it's 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 exhilarating. It's so fun. I loved it. Um, and then I used synthetic pro- uh, synthetic interpretation. It's a very slow process of interpretation, where there's so many factors taken in. Um, the interpretive process takes takes a, a long time, um, especially typology through pot- pottery, or. Um, so this is like you prepping the the artifacts with chemicals to like maybe read a document better or an inscription better or something like that? Not necessarily. I think the the interpretation of of archaeological data or stuff uncovered, um, material uncovered, is, is a slow process in itself because you have to understand, okay, I just dug this up out of the ground. What is what is this? What does this mean? Why is it here? What is it used for? And that pulls in other, other um, resources as well as well as um, lab time. There's reconstruction labs for pottery. There's uh, pottery dating. There's um, flotation, which is if you find like charcoal mm. in like a pit, they, they, they take it, put it in like a little foil 
little baggie and then they go they float it to see okay let's put it in water and see what sinks to the bottom what what floats that's an that's a process of interpretation it's a very methodical and and synthetic it's synthesizing it's taking an average okay what do we have here from these let's say 12 um artifacts that we've uncovered what can we deduce from the site as a whole what's what's the average consensus here between what we found that's kind of synthetic it's this interpretation that's slow and it takes the, the what's the relationship between our discoveries yeah yeah so it's it's um on in Hollywood, it's portrayed as Indiana Jones on a motorcycle with a, the bullwhip and a and a cool hat, and all that. No, it, it's it's slow, <laughs> it's slow. Sif, and it's 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 um, very draining too, physically draining. You know, because yeah, you're out there in the hot sun and hot sun, eight hours, nine hours a day. It's pretty manual. Yeah, it's very manual, and it's um, yeah, it, it's it's a slow process. It's all manual labor. Never, never have I come across excavators. Or, Would you say it's more like Stanley Yelnets in the Holes movie? Yeah, compared to Indiana Jones, yeah. <laughs> but I, again, I think there's truth in both. You know, obviously, um, we're not just digging six six feet deep, deep holes. We're digging fifteen feet by fifteen feet squares. Um, yeah. So, yeah, does that make sense as a definition? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks yeah. for clarifying. That. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. So archaeology itself is a is a scientific discipline and i think um when we uh kind of think of the idea of even just faith in science or archaeology and science um creating this barrier their separation between science and faith or science and archaeology is i think is a misnomer it's it's a miss it's a misused designation um because archaeology itself is is um it's science. It, it's science. It's a science. It, the 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 word, arche, and then logia, you know, the study of or like the study of the past or knowledge of the past. It, it's it's a scientific discipline, and I think, um, it, it's kind of overlooked some some in some ways. Yeah, that a lot of what you're describing is the process before any conclusions are made about your discoveries. It's yeah, just like here's what we found. Here's what it is. I mean, excavation reports come out a long time after the excavation actually happens, which is actually kind of wild because there's a lot of arc like, and there's also like just like when archaeology was like first like like um starting up mm-hmm. as a as a academic like pursuit and practice, there were people that went to sites and just didn't document anything, and just dug, filled it back in, left. <laughs> and so that's why it's 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 a really methodical process and it's also it also incorporates different um methodology um i have this quote here by a famous british um archaeologist mortimer, mortimer wheeler really funny name um he wrote a book in uh the 1950s the early 1950s um called archaeology um and the earth and he this is again this is when Archaeology is first starting out, and he writes this when it's um, first coming as a academic practice. Mm-hmm. And I want to share it here because um, I think it it, kinda, it really um, plays into the idea of okay, what is the relationship between archaeology and um, science. So, um, Sir Mortimer Wheeler, Wheeler writes. Um, archaeology is increasingly dependent on a multitude of uh, sciences and itself is increasingly uh, adopting the methodology of a natural science. 
It draws today upon physics, upon chemistry, geology, biology, economics, political science, sociology, climatology, botany. As a science, it is a synthetic process. Um, and I think nowadays, this spectrum of academic disciplines is way broadened. Um, when I was digging at, I was digging at Telburna, Biblical Libna, um, a site that Joshua would have conquered in his southern campaign in around 1406, approximately, B.C., um, we had a zoo archaeologist on site, a person that is, is specifically dedicated to looking at animal bones. When I was digging in my square, I found lamb, sheep, horse, uh, fish. Um, yeah, so we have this zoo archaeologist. We had an Assyriologist, someone who studies Assyriology, like the Assyrians. Um, there's Egyptologists. Um, there, there, people that focus on particular countries and people groups. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's archaeology is kind of like this. Um, archaeology is kind of like America in that America is a melting pot of cultures and nationalities and ethnicities and archaeology is just the same thing but with academic disciplines. Um, awesome. So it's 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 like it's kind of like this intersection where multiple um, scientific disciplines meet and work together to um, come to a conclusion about the data that they found. So, nice. yeah, I would say, yeah, archaeology itself is this interdisciplinary science. Okay. So, what? so yeah. Um, so yeah, we've, we've discussed, okay, what is archaeology and then what is the relationship between archaeology and science? And I think the big discussion now, okay, what is the relationship between biblical archaeology and science? Because we have this idea um, of science and faith being completely unreconcilable. Um, and frankly, I don't think this has any supplement for us to believe in. I think we apply too much baggage to it in the first place. Um, Do you think people keep using the same recycled, difficult question? I mean, I, they're difficult questions. I mean, but like, do you think people keep using like the same questions to discredit, um, the fact that faith and science can go together. Like, like for example, I'm thinking of, um, like you mentioned Joshua. So mm -hmm. there's that whole story about how like the sun stood still for like, however long it did. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and you know, they're looking, or Hezekiah, like how, how God um, turned the dial back on his life. And it's just like, did that really happen? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, this is an apologetic question ultimately. Um, it's clear that people are, are conditioned to say slogans of, of um, criticism, but not really knowing how to defend that. So, um, like we were talking about earlier, difference between proof and evidence. The evidence points towards proof, and the evidence about X, Y, or Z points to this proof being X, Y, and Z. So I think, um, yeah, there's people that that yell criticisms about the the nature of science and faith oh well the earth is this many million years old and you young earth creationists think it's only six thousand years old um and they're trained i feel like in some sense people are trained to do that or they adopt that kind of criticism because they just don't want to look into it and I, I, I and i think yeah it's kind of like the whole like all religions teach the same thing without yes their religious books it's bumper sticker arguments it there's there's nothing more to it just let me give you a slogan and leave <laughs> <laughs> i can see that so 
Yeah. Um, I don't think there's historically, I don't think there's, there's any reason to discredit the relationship between science and faith. I think it, this perceived contradiction or this perceived conflict or this perceived tension, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, I think it's stoked by a lot of historical ignorance and, 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 um, yeah, I, I think just that like idea. It's a, it's a lot easier to say those people didn't exist than to actually read what's out there and then draw your own conclusion from that. Yeah, and I think just like, I mean, if we if we take science and faith together, even just the the, the studies of biology or, or astronomy or other stuff, um, and then you take faith, <laughs> it, it, it's it's people think that they can't go together. When I when I think no, they can, because History proves itself. History gives evidence for the proof of me concluding that they can go together. Like scholasticism had the trivium and quadrivium, um, these like seven um, liberal arts that uh, people, that this this kind of curriculum, this standard curriculum that people were, were being educated in. And once you studied like like geometry and like arithmetic and music, like all these like like elementary liberal arts or ways, that's why they're called iviums, quadrivium, four ways, three ways, trivium. Yeah. Um, like these, once you get past these seven, uh, excuse me, liberal arts, then you go on to theology and philosophy. It's like almost like our, these academic disciplines are pointing to um, these, 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 these uh, more notable, more worthy um, subjects of study, like theology and philosophy. And I think... Um, also, biblically speaking, King Solomon in First Kings uh, 4.30, um, obviously we know him as the, the proverb man who wrote many proverbs. He wrote many proverbs. Um, but there's this verse in First um, Kings uh, 4 um, that I, I want to read to you. Sure. Because um, it, it's, it's kind of compelling. This is what kind of made me think, okay, this relationship between science and faith doesn't have as much baggage as my mind um, uh, puts on it. Okay. Um, so this is First Kings four twenty nine to thirty four. Now God gave Solomon wisdom and very great discernment and breadth of mind, uh, like the sand of the seashore. Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and all the wisdom of the Egypt. And this is what we know him for. He's this very wise man. Um, so yeah, continuing. For he was wiser than all the people, more than Ethan the Ezraite, Herman, Calcol, Darda, and the sons of Mahol. And his fame was known in the surrounding nations. He also told 3,000 proverbs, uh, and his songs numbered 1,005. He told of trees from the cedar that is in Lebanon to the hyssop that grows on the wall. He also told of animals, uh, birds, crawling things, and, and fish. Uh, people came from all the nations to hear the wisdom of Solomon, from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. Um, so just that itself, the, the, the author of, of, of First Kings, or even just kings in general, because they were, you know, one book, or one manuscript at one time. Um, obviously, we know King Solomon as, as the guy who wrote the Proverbs. He's a, he's a wisdom literature person. Um, Proverbs itself has logic, has uh, morality, has ethics in, in involved in it. He's, it also says that he was um, he wrote songs, numbered over a thousand. That, that's music and presumably poetry. That's another you know branch right. of, of an academic study. Um, you don't. If you're a person of faith, you don't have to turn your brain off. You, you can. You can still be a lifelong learner. Yeah, exactly. Like he, it says he told of trees, dendrology, the study of trees, botany, 
um, plants. Uh, he, he, he told of animals, zoology, mammalogy, um, ecology. He told of birds, ornithology. It, 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 the list goes on and on. He, 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 he's involved. He's a person in scripture. We could say faith. He's a person in faith involved in these in these other scientific pursuits which is just really interesting because you're like wait i thought they're supposed to be contra- this is this is ruining my presupposition <laughs> but no i think there's 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 a beauty behind these these different academic um pursuits um and then even later than solomon ptolemy the alexandrian astronomer and uh, mathematician um he recognized this academic hierarchy um he says that that ultimately, if one were to seek the unchanging aspects of the mechanical world, um, one would find God unchanging and um, immovable. Um, it, it's it's these uh, these scientific pursuits of astronomy of of math point to a creator, yeah. in or like a person who created something and um, yeah. And, and he says that uh, the 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 discipline of science itself has its has a dimension. Has, it gets its dimension from theology, and it's ultimately sourced from that. And that, that's something that I, I learned from studying um, the intellectual greats uh, of science is that they recognized um, the, the, this hierarchy. Uh, Kepler, Copernicus, Galileo, Newton, all recognized that there's a creator. Albeit Newton had very unorthodox beliefs, <laughs> and, um, but he believed God was creator. He believed that that he couldn't study the gravitational force without understanding that there's a power behind it, and and we get this idea from from social studies, and you're talking about your book, you know what what they didn't tell you or, or whatever your book was was called. Yeah, yeah. Um, lies, lies my teacher told me. Yeah, and we we get this this agenda pushed that um, these intellectual greats had nothing to do with faith, but they had motivations sparked by by faith. Copernicus. Um, no, they're the reason we have like a lot of our schools. Yeah, like academia is in, like started off from the Christian worldview. Yeah, even hospitals too. You know, like these good That's things. Why, like a lot of hospitals start with like Saint So and So. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's rather incredible what history um, there is for this debate. Copernicus was part of the Catholic Church. Coper- Copernicus was a. a, a a canon of the Catholic Church, which means like the the canon law was kind of like this set of ordinances that the ecclesiastical authority, you know, put over the church. Like it's basically how the church governed and ran it herself. Mm-hmm. And one of the like the lawyers or like people who oversaw that was Copernicus. He was he was part of that. And then Kepler, um, I believe he went to um, Kepler went to a Protestant seminary. Like his main desire was ministry. His main desire was ministry, and he had he 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 wrote a paper. On how um, uh, Copernican uh, astronomy reconciles with with sacred scripture, and like it's like when I was researching this, I was like, oh my gosh! Like, didn't even know that that was out there. Yeah, exactly. And like you're you're thinking of these things, and um, yeah, you know, it, it 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 comforts me to know that on many of these hard issues, people have been thinking about this for thousands of years and yeah honestly, like it's not even anything to like disparage over like so many people are like well you know why why bother to think about these questions and answer answer these questions when people for thousands of years couldn't agree but it's not that they couldn't agree i mean there's there's debate in everything but like 
it's not that they couldn't agree, but they were sharpening their understanding of the question. And I think the more history we have around people getting down to the bottom of a question, the closer we get to the truth and the details behind the complexity of what they were trying to fathom. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting seeing the pursuit of these intellectual greats that, I mean, when I was in school, you know, faith was never talked about. Hmm. I mean, because, well, I went to a public high school, but I went to a, a, a Catholic, um, I went to a private school. Um, and no, nothing of this sort of correlation was talked about. Like Kepler, I feel like he even talks about this distinction that some people have made. And he, he quotes it in, in um, one, of his, one of his works. He says that um, the Christian religion has put some fences around false accusation or false speculation, which is on the wrong track, in order that, that error may not rush headlong, but may become in other respects harmless in itself. Antiquity teaches us examples of how vainly man sets up boundary posts where God has not set them up. Um, he says how severely all the astronomers, astronomers were blamed by the first Christians. Hmm. So, and even Kepler, he, he cites from Scripture in his work. He cites from Matthew. He cites from Peter. It's it's wild the 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 correlation that these secular scientists have um, in relation to in relation to our faith. And like I said, Newton. Um, obviously recognized that there was a creator, but he was, he, he was a non-Trinitarian and an Arian, so he had some unorthodox beliefs, but case proven that he believed that God was behind um, all these things. Um, but yeah, that's just like in antiquity, you know? And I think modernly, there's been a lot of resurgence in this field. Um, Francis S. Collins, he was on the team for um, deciphering the, the human genome. He wrote a book. Oh yeah, I heard yeah. about him. Yeah. yeah, he wrote a book called The Language of that was like, a Game Changer. Yeah. He discovered that. Yeah. He wrote a, a book called The Language of God, Reconciling Faith with Um Science. Um John Walton, you know, he incorporates science into his um his books. Um William Lane Craig, I've read him recently, I've told a lot about him already. He incorporates a lot of uh um uh, archaeology incorporates a lot of um, science, incorporates a lot of anthropology, um, paleontology. Mm. Um, he, he, he intertwines evolutionary thought. He, he's not like there's people that are separate they're not separated from the, the, um, the, the scientific realm. And I, and I don't think there's any credit to think that faith and science are in different academic planes because I think the academic plane is is ultimately the, the, the search for truth. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. you know, the, the, the other thing, too, is, like, science doesn't have all the answers. Um, mm-hmm. And whenever someone says, well, one day science will, that's a faith position. Yeah. Yeah, and I think there is that element as as um, Bible-believing Christians who hold a high view of Scripture. I think there is a element of faith that comes into the pursuit of, of, of facts and evidence and proof. Um, so... Yeah, faith is also an element, you know, and um, yeah, and, and I, I think of uh, Joshua Swamidas. He's a professor um, in St. Louis who wrote um, the genealogical Adam and Eve, the the science behind modern ancestor. Or, or, uh, no, this is that's that's William Lane Craig down there, uh, and Abner Chow, incredible author by the way. Um, but yeah, you, you see the you see these these, these modern high elevated viewing script uh, scripture people christians scholars 
who are investigating the correlation between science and faith. And I, I, I look to myself and I look, I look at the, the historical supplement that we have of, of Copernicus and Kepler and Newton and Galileo and uh, Ptolemy and King Solomon and, and also um, the ancient curriculum. What do we make of all this? And, and I think the, the division that we have between science and faith um, isn't as big as a chasm as we, as we might make it. Um, and, and I think it is, it is possible um, to, to rethink that, that perceived tension. And I, I truly believe it's a conditioned conflict that we've come to believe. I'd seriously challenge um, modern Christians to reevaluate the, the, the relationship that they think about in their head when they um, think about faith in science. And I think um, for um, the archaeologists, this is really important because obviously, like, like we talked about, archaeology is an interdisciplinary practice. Um, I think of the the quote by by Charles Spurgeon when asked the when asked the question about um, God's sovereignty and human's responsibility. He said, "Why, why would I reconcile two already existing friends?" And um, I, I think that's the case that we have with science and faith. Um, but for the archaeologist, for the biblical archaeologist, I think um, there's this duality at play. There's this scientific approach, and there's also this 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 biblical, this faith based approach. And I think for the biblical archaeologists, using um, the scientific disciplines that, that the Lord has, has granted in, in this world, and, and I think it's evidence of um, who was a, a Kepler, mm-hmm. who, was, who went to Protestant seminary, and I believe he was desired to go into ministry, but I feel like the Lord put him on a different path for the purpose of studying the, the, the manifestation of his works. Um, so I think... There's this, obviously there's this duality at play, and I think for the biblical archaeologists, there's this reason to approach healthily with a biblical conscience the, the notions of, uh, of science and faith in a, in a way to um, know your creator more yeah. through investigating, uncovering, reconstructing his involvement with people, with historical people in the past. Yeah. So therefore archaeology can be this intersection where faith and science meet, that we have this perceived conditioned um, assumption. Um, it, it can be this intersection where they meet and work together to draw one closer to their creator. And I think that's beautiful. Yeah. So, and, you know, I, I think it's also really necessary because often, like, I, I've seen this in, like, my own small group. I love my small group. Uh, but it, it happens that really in, in every small group uh, that I, at least I've been a part of, like mm-hmm. where it's like we're reading something and we get to something that's a little foggy, a little nebulous in the scriptures, right? Like something that needs to be de- demystified. Yeah. And, um, and, and we just, we skip over it because we don't know it. Yeah. Um, and, and that happens more than once. And you, you get to the point where you keep, you, you keep doing it and you keep doing it. It's kind of like you're reading a book and you keep, when you, whenever you get to a word, you don't know, you just, you don't look it up. You just skip over it and keep reading. And it's like, like a genealogy. <laughs> yeah. It's like eventually the reading doesn't profit you and, and you're, you're kind of filling out of the loop and, uh, and it gets to be, it, it gets to the point where it's like, why read it if it's a confusing book? Yeah. Right? So I, I thank God for, you know, people like you that are studying archaeology, uh, the archaeologists that are, you know, going out and, and doing the digging and f- discovering things. And I just want, want to 
point this out too, like from what I've heard about the discipline, it's not like these people are going out trying to prove that the Bible is true. They're just yeah. archaeologists. They find whatever they find, and often it's just something historical, uh, and it may happen to support a coin or a town that the Bible mentions. Yeah, and, you know, every now and then you'll get that big discovery, um, but you know, in all the finds, like they they haven't found anything that contradicts the Bible. No, I maybe think maybe it doesn't support the Bible. Maybe it does, but it doesn't contradict. Yeah, what I've what the way that I've understood it, and my archaeology professor has told me, is that archaeology can't prove or disprove the Bible. It can it can illuminate it. It can um, it can confirm it. Um, stuff like that. And archaeology itself has limitations, and it. it's not a perfect discipline. I mean, you're looking at a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of the remaining evidence. You're getting a remnant of a remnant. You're getting like a breadcrumb of a breadcrumb yeah. uh, of the past. So there's limitations to it. It's not a perfect discipline. It's just because it's, it's, it's frag, it's a fragmentary and it's also a destructive discipline. You're, you're destroying the stuff that's been preserved for thousands of years in the dirt. You're taking it out. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 um, yeah, it's that. So. Yeah. That's awesome. But you know, again, like even this is going to sound weird but like i know they're technically you know doing a bunch of digging and destroying things but it's like if we don't know what's there like mm-hmm. they're doing it for the discovery yeah it's like all the ancient people that it would have mattered to or you know they're they're not here to yeah be like that's that's ours you know 